If your child has asthma or even difficulty concentrating, you would be looking for answers. But you might not see it as connected to cars banking up at school pickup, engines idling as they wait for the kids to swarm out into the unfiltered air. We're starting to understand more about the wider health impacts of air pollution, and that research could help communities push for change. I'm wondering if your local community has taken action around pollution caused by traffic. Tell me about that. You can head to our Facebook page and pop a comment up there uh, too because there's lots of discussion there about the different uh, contributors to traffic-based pollution. Our guest Claire Walter is an honorary fellow of Melbourne Climate Futures and co-lead author of a new position statement on the health impacts of traffic emissions in Australia. Claire, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Now, you started researching car pollution when your own family started developing health problems. What drew the link for you? Um, Well, I was working as a pharmacist in the lung clinics at Peter McCullen Cancer Centre and noticing a rising proportion of people who had never smoked getting lung cancer when I became aware that diesel exhaust can cause lung cancer. And at the same time, my younger daughter, the only childcare centre I could find, was on a major road excuse me, in, um, in a sort of suburban Melbourne. And, um, you know, working with these patients during the day, coming home and listening listening to my daughter wheeze at night, it all sort of started to ring a few alarm bells and I started looking into it further and further. And um, I should actually say I'm also doing a PhD through the University of Queensland um, on the topic now. Um, and I began working in advocacy um around about 2015 uh, on the on the topic and and we ended up moving um, so we had to move our whole family and to a different community and find a different school for my older daughter in order to get away from the um, traffic pollution and you know anecdotally my my younger daughter's asthma improved and it seemed to be correlated with that move. Well I'm wondering how sure we can be that the issue is about uh, being on a busy road and and whether it's uh, about the the cars that often uh, hang around outside childcare centres and schools. Do you know? Well yeah it's a causal association which means in terms of um, you know scientific evidence we're very sure we're um, you know but each individual child with asthma there may be different triggers, you know. Some, some children, it could be a virus, you know, a cold, it can be pollens, it can be a combination. But the fact of the matter is traffic pollution does cause asthma in a significant number of children. And some of these children, you know, this is occurring in Australia. Yeah. Well, how big a difference can it make if people turn off their engines while they're waiting outside the school or the childcare centre, Claire Walter? Yeah, well, a big difference, particularly if the large diesel SUVs. Um, these cars um, emit quite a lot of, you know, um, particulates, but also nitrogen dioxide. Um, and it's been shown that turning these off does reduce the air pollution in that local environment. And, you know, it only takes, you know, we're talking minutes of exposure for some sensitive children to precipitate an asthma attack. So turning the engines off would make a big difference. It also makes a difference in terms of, um, you know, savings in terms of fuel costs. Yeah, that, that's a, a, another uh, motivating factor. Claire Walter, your new position statement found that the health effects of car pollution may have been underestimated in Australia. And you mentioned nitrogen dioxide, which apparently we don't include in estimates of the health impacts of car emissions here. Did it surprise you looking into this, how, how little we know about the health impacts of this pollution? 
Yeah, well, looking at the literature and the, um, you know, some of the papers that have been produced in the UK and um, states and things over the recent years, it, it was obvious that nitrogen dioxide was an important pollutant. Uh, and even some Australian research has sort of shown that this is the pollutant that we should be considering when we're um, measuring some of the health impacts related to traffic emissions. So when the New Zealand um, produced this, you know, wonderful study that um, was very detailed, um, and that was presented um, last year at a conference I was at. I sat there listening to it, and I thought, why, why can't Australia do something similar? I mean, it's um, and it's quite shocking when you include nitrogen dioxide how the figures change in terms of the actual health impacts. So I suspected for a couple of years that we should be using nitrogen dioxide, and there have been other researchers that have um, made the same comments. And um, yeah, New Zealand's now shown in a low pollution country that it makes a very big difference um, in terms of the health impacts when, when it's been calculated. We're speaking with Claire Walter, Honorary Fellow of Melbourne Climate Futures, doing a PhD on this kind of pollution through the University of Queensland and co-lead author of this new position statement on the health impacts of traffic emissions in Australia, which has been endorsed by a number of health groups, including Doctors for the Environment in Australia. And Dr Sibel Day is a child and adolescent psychiatrist. She's a paediatrician and co-chair of Doctors for the Environment, Australia's mental health special interest group. Uh, Dr Day, welcome to Life Matters, as someone working with children and young people, how can the quality of the air they're breathing around school affect their well-being? How solid is our understanding of this link? Oh, thank you very much. Um, the link between the quality of the air around schools and children's well-being is actually really clear. Um, again, it's not something that's been part of this recent Australian study, but looking at the uh, global literature and looking at the studies over time, um, it's really clear that if you have less vehicles around a school and you have uh, cleaner air, um, the children learn better uh, and, they, and they are able to get on with each other better. And um, this is a, a really robust solid finding in multiple studies. Okay, so it's not just respiratory things. It's better learning, better concentration and, and better social interaction. That that's, might surprise a lot of our listeners, I think. Look, I think it, it actually it surprised me too when I first saw it, um, just the extent of the difference that it makes. Um, so we're talking that children in primary school um, have are much better able to concentrate and learn. And actually when they measure their learning and their ability to uh, get on with other children and manage their behaviour at school, that um, improves much more for children that are in clean air environments with trees and less traffic um, than it does for children who are in areas with a lot of traffic and a lot of vehicle emissions. And are they particularly vulnerable groups, Sibel? Well, interestingly, um, there are a number of other factors that are risk factors for children's being able to learn well or not, but actually this seems to be something that applies across the board. So when they did a study looking at 39 schools across um, Barcelona, they were able to, to demonstrate that actually even when you controlled for a lot of those factors, uh, that it was actually how much traffic pollution there was around the school that really um, was the main determinant of whether children's learning, ability to remember things and ability to behave well um, improved more or less. So it, it seems to be a significant factor in and of itself. And a lot of Australian schools have been installing air filters lately for COVID, Sibel. Do we know how these might affect kids in, in, a, in a more general health sense? 
Um, look, there, there is reason to think that improving the air quality in the classrooms would make a difference while the child's in the classroom. At the same time, we really need to be looking at sustainable solutions that are going to also be working when they're arriving at school and in the playground um, because while you may be able to improve things in the classroom, the child's then going to be exposed to the pollution outside. So it's actually much more effective in terms of their learning and their asthma if we can be reducing um, the vehicle emissions around schools, having active transport, public transport, electric vehicles, increasing tree cover um, and actually preventing the problem rather than only trying to protect them with the filters. So filters may help and as a, as a if you can't do anything else situation, say in bushfire smoke, perhaps there's a, a role for that. But in terms of the big picture, we could really be making a difference with better quality, um, a better standards for our um, fuel emissions and cleaner air around the school. Some really interesting texts coming on, in on this. I think our listeners are very engaged with this idea. Penelope says, uh, the Lady Gowrie Child Care Centre in North Carlton and concerned parents did achieve a change of roads and created a safety zone with no-go traffic area surrounding the centre. Uh, another from Sally says, I live near the freight line in the inner west of Sydney. I wipe diesel particles off windowsills weekly and the windows are open half an inch at the top. I've complained, but that track is privately owned and managed and I got nowhere this should be investigated and Claire Walter I'm interested in your thoughts on this a text says back in the 60s and 70s the air in Sydney was a dark brown not unlike Mumbai they say but now it's cleaned up a lot and we've taken the lead out of the petrol and now you're trying to say it's to blame for all the kids malfunctions is the look of the air a good indicator of how polluted it is Claire? Um, yes and no. So um, the larger particles will affect visibility and you can certainly see an orange haze, um, certainly in Melbourne some days, which, you know, is the nitrogen dioxide or oxides nitrogen. But the particles that come out of an exhaust pipe are so tiny and this is why they have particularly bad health impacts. They get into the bloodstream and they travel to all the organs, including the brains, brain and cause systemic inflammation, which is why it can affect children's learning as well as a range of other health impacts um, and these particles are so tiny you can't they don't you know you can't see them they don't scatter light in the same way that the larger particles do. Dr Sibel Day you work mostly with children and adolescents but some of the new research is also showing air pollution might affect our brains later in life could you summarize that for us? So there is evidence of connection between um, traffic vehicle pollution and um, symptoms of depression and of um, other mental health problems. Exactly how those pathways work, I think, is something that is not fully understood, but it's certainly clear that in places where there's increasing exposure to traffic pollution, like some of the studies that have come out of China comparing early in the 2000s to more recently, um, that there are increased rates of mental health uh, problems for people in those communities and that actually being exposed to traffic pollution means you're more likely to have symptoms of depression. And I guess the thing about that is it means if we address this, if we can really improve the quality of the air, there'll be a whole lot of different benefits, child learning, 
reduced um, heart disease as well as reductions in things like depression symptoms. Claire Walter, uh, lots of people saying, yes, definitely, let's get rid of the SUVs and stop people idling their engines at school pickup. What other moves would you like to see in a, in a broader community sense to help lower the levels of air pollution, visible and inv- invisible, that are affecting us in this way? Well, I think better um, uh, active infrastructure that would support um, active transport. You know, I would love for my children to cycle to school. Uh, I'm in Melbourne, but I'm too worried they'll be knocked off a bike. I was knocked off mine a few years ago and haven't really summoned the courage to, you know, to face cycling on the roads with the cars the way they are at the moment. So more infrastructure that would support active transport. I mean, we love um, road projects. Governments love road projects. And, you know, a lot of our spending. Um, particularly in Melbourne and possibly Sydney too, is based on building more and more roads. Some of that diverted into active transport pathways. Um, You know, if we took a leaf out of some of the European cities books that have really focused on um, a green recovery post-COVID in terms of uh, cycle lanes, um, I'd love to see that. I think that was, you know, a win-win in terms of our health. Yes, well, I'm loving this text too, Claire. I find it hypocritical that we don't talk about secondhand smoke from motorists the way we do for smokers. Motorists are pumping a lot more toxins into the air than a smoker or a vapour could do in their entire life. Why aren't we guilting motorists as we do smokers? Do we need a, a kind of cultural change just to finish up with, Claire? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, I understand that this is surprising to people because we've become so used to it. We've grown up in the age of cars. We've never really, you know, intuitively considered what they're doing. But you wouldn't give a child a glass of dirty water to drink day in and day out and and be surprised, not be surprised that there were health impacts. It's the exact same thing. I mean, we're ingesting, we're inhaling, absorbing these particles. They're travelling throughout our body. You know, they impact every organ along the way. You know, diabetes is now a causal association, as is, you know, cardiac arrests in adults, you know, strokes. Um, you mentioned brain impacts before. There are now associations with um, neurodegenerative diseases, Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. It's not surprising. These these particles are very, very toxic. You know, combusted carbon carrying a lot of heavy metals and polyaromatic hydrogens, you know, um, the same stuff that's in cigarettes. And we're inhaling it day in and day out. Yeah, that sounds like there's a a strong passion for change, uh, not just from you, Claire, but from our uh, listeners as well. Claire Walter, Dr. Sibel Day, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Claire Walter, Honorary Fellow at Melbourne Climate Futures, co-lead author of a new position statement on the health impacts of traffic emissions. Dr. Sibel Day is a child and adolescent psychiatrist at the Sydney Children's Hospital, a paediatrician and a member of Doctors for the Environment Australia. Getting in touch with ABCRN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.